us is Presso to stand before you. Smiling because I realize it's it's not my strength, it's him. And I thank God that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much. God, we praise you for your word. Your word which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our heart. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made, the sacrifice that was given so we can have your word today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit present in us, present with us. And God, I thank you that you've drawn us to your foot tonight. That we have not come to hear from me. That we have not come to hear from a man. We have not come to see a pastor, but we have come to see Jesus. And we've come to hear from you, God. You are the only one that can help every soul in here tonight. There is no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved except the name of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We release ourselves onto you tonight. God, we need the touch of your right hand in our lives tonight. Your people are facing challenges, facing situations, but we thank you that you will revive us in the midst of trouble. You will revive us by your word. You will comfort us by your word. And so we thank you tonight. Help our hearts to understand. Uh, I remember a scripture that said the Holy Spirit opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to those things that were spoken by Paul. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you open our hearts tonight just to pay attention to what you are saying. Holy Spirit, I ask that you go through the pews, knock on hearts, speak in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Tonight, I feel very moved in my heart and very moved in my spirit to speak on grace. And as I seek the face of God, as I seek the word of God, I, I realize that there are three separate works of grace. And I also realize that Emphasis is placed only mainly on one of those works of grace. And so tonight, as, I, as we go, I want to, to tell you that God has given His grace to save all men. The first work of grace is salvation, church. But there's a second work of grace, which is to sanctify it someone, which is to set them apart. I want to tell you tonight that there is grace for you and I to live a victorious Christian life. And there is also grace to serve. I don't know how long the Holy Spirit will uh, have us to go tonight, how far we will, uh, how long time will permit us. But I want us to start in the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And I would like to read from verses 11 to 14. And 11 and 12 is really where we will use to build tonight. And even as I 
read these verses, my heart gets very excited. My heart gets very hopeful for the child of God. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11. 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Okay, hold on, wait. I need to stop there. The grace of God has appeared, um, I'm familiar with the version that says, has appeared to all men. The grace of God has appeared to all men. It has brought salvation to all men. You know, I love when I read the scripture that says, and this gospel shall be preached. And so, there is no one here under the sound of my voice that has an excuse. The grace of God has appeared to everyone. And you know, I love that God is not partial with His grace. And if the Holy Spirit will allow us tonight, we will realize and we will come to see what disqualifies someone from grace. Because I want to tell you, you can be disqualified from grace. So this grace that we're going to study tonight, this grace that we're going to hear about tonight, it appears to everyone. It has appeared to us in here. I, 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 it's hard for me to believe there is not someone in this nation, in this city that has not heard the word of God. It is like Jesus had said to Nicodemus, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But he went on to say that this is the condemnation that men has loved darkness rather than light. So when people hear the word of God and you're confronted with Christ, you know you can choose to receive or reject him. So this grace, we must first note tonight that God is not partial with his grace. God does not pick who he wants to save. God has given his grace to save all mankind. Every race, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every age, gender, God's grace can reach someone. Can you read verse 12 again? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. When we reach the heaven, are we going to live godly lives in heaven? Does it teach us to live godly lives when we die? Does it teach us to live pure lives when we get into heaven's gate? No. You see, I like verse 11 speaks about the first word of grace. That it has appeared to save us. Ephesians 8, Ephesians 2, 8 says what? For we are saved by grace. Not that of ourselves. It's the gift of God. But see, verse 12 takes us into a deeper look into grace. It teaches you and I. It trains you and I. 
it equips you and I to live how? Verse 12. Have verse 12 went to sleep on me? <laughs> Let me hear verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present you know, this is a strong thing for me. When I read this verse, you know, I can't find an excuse. I can't find any reason why I cannot live above sin. I cannot find an excuse to say no when the devil rears his head. When the temptations come, I have no excuse. I, you know, the Bible is saying the same grace that saved me is the same grace that gives me the power to say no to self, to say no to Satan, and to say no to the world. You know, <laughs> some people think that just because you get married is going to fix some type of sexual issue. You know, marriage won't fix their sexual issue. Really and truly, you need the grace of God to help you. Because even after you get married, the devil will still try to present temptation to you. So it's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of some type of lust in you, which the grace of God can help you. So, it teaches us to say no. And I love the last line in this present one of your versions may read in this present world. So that is telling me, hey, I can't live for God now. I can't live a pure life now. I can't live a holy life now. And you know the thing that I realized, several pre people preach grace. And they teach grace, but they never talk about grace in this fashion. They want to tell you that grace is just there that, you know, I, I, can, I can go over here and I can fool around and I can just come back to grace because grace will receive me. You need to be very careful with that type of teaching. You may find yourself out of heaven's gate if you continue that type of teaching. You can't be in and out of Jesus. Amen? You know, I realize for me to go do something, something I have to actually This present world. Let's read 13 and 14 before we go from here. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who, That's 13, 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people wow. that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Who redeemed us from some iniquity? I think the Bible said, all. Oh, he has come to redeem us from all sin. So, you know, I, I don't understand when someone says, well, you know, I used to drink 10 beer, but now I only drink two, I do better past that. When God confronts you, when God truly convicts you, when God saves you, he will take away all. 
I always remember when God saved me. The Sunday I went to church. You know I had quite a house of marijuana in my room. I smoked weed very hard. Yes, believe it or not. I was on cigarettes. Anything I was on that stuff. I came to the altar at the preaching of the word of God. And when I went back home, all I wanted to do was get rid of it. All the pornography under my bed, I wanted to get rid of it. Everything that was evil, there was something new. Someone new at work in me. It was not me. It was the grace of God that set me free. I love the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the song. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I love Christ in my chains are gone. And I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. I'm not standing here saying it's me, it's Christ. It's the grace. He takes away all. And I like that He is preparing us, His grace is setting us apart for His return. We can't omit the Bible in Ephesians 5 that says he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish or wrinkle. He's coming back for, you know, the day I got married, I just thank God my wife came down looking nice and, and lily in her white dress. And there was no wrinkle with her and there was no spot with her and there was, and she, actually she blew me away. I didn't even recognize her very well. Wow! I you know this gentleman came bringing her down the aisle. I'm like, let's hurry, 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 hurry. Yes, 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 yes. But come on, Jesus is, is so to speak, when he returns, he's returning for a bride that's ready, that's ready, that has been, you know, dressed properly and adorned. That's why, I'll be quite honest, there is an urgency to hold a living church. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. There is an urgency for you to leave your sin. Because the Bible makes it very clear he will return as a thief in the night. So, you know, I praise God that she only was 15 minutes late. You know, I hear stories of weddings where it's hours. And you know, my best man was starting. He said, boy, I think you changed your mind. I'm like, I don't think so. And then, then they say, that boy, and then I'm thinking, she's really cheap. And then, yeah, yes, she's here, music, get the music, get the music, she's here. All right, cool, cool, play cool, play cool. Here she comes. Hallelujah. God is returning for his bride. And he has provided everything we need to live a godly life. So, Whenever I realize that something isn't right in my life, you know, I can't come to God and say, you have a problem. You know, it's me. I need to come and ask him to help me. Now, I want to run from here. I, I want to go to the book of Genesis. Let's study Genesis just for a minute. Chapter 6. And I want to take at least the first eight verses. And I'm only reading the eight verses so we can have some context and we can have some understanding of what God is saying. And while we journey here, you know, one of the things that has challenged me, once someone is pre preaching to you this wishy-washy grace, 
it's only because they have not succeeded over sin in their own life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The only reason someone would preach to you wishy-washy is because they themselves have not conquered sin in their own life. So, so that they don't be hypocrites, they only preach what they're living, which is what they're living. Now, it's not that if you have sinned, yes, the grace of God is there for you. You can come back. He will receive you. He will forgive you. But I'm saying, do not take his grace for granted. Don't let it be a license to sin. Genesis chapter 6, 1 to 8. This is Noah. And I think we should take note because Jesus said in the days of his return, or coming on to his return, it will be like the days of Noah. And when Jesus makes reference to someone in the Old Testament, I love to go and study it. So he made reference to Noah. So let's read Noah tonight. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. Mm. The Nephilim, Nephilim yeah. were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wicked of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Okay, let's pause this for a minute. And I thank you, wife, for working with me today. Can we give my wife a round of applause? I just feel like I need to I just study with you right now. I'm so grateful. Now, it said God looked down from heaven into the earth and realize that wickedness is growing. Violence is growing. Immorality is rising. Actually, he said he realized that the inclination of man's heart from the time they arise in the morning is to do evil. So even if physically they're not doing evil in their mind, they're just thinking wickedness. I want you to realize the time Noah was living in. Sexual immorality was very high. Crime was very high. You know, it sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? There's much about the days of Noah that's relevant for our time today, church. Violence at an all-time high. That's why Jesus said, when I return, study the days of Noah, and you see much of your time in the days of Noah. You can see some things happening there. Read on first. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Does anybody have, can you switch to King James? Just verse 8. And I will use favor. But Noah found grace ah. in the eyes of the Lord. One more time, please. But Noah found 
But Noah, I, but is a strong word here. But is a, you can't, wow. God described and God spoke about the time and how everybody is living wicked and evil. But, I love but, but Noah, this one man, he found grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And if you would read, this man walked with God. Isn't that what the Bible says? He walked with God. Actually, read verse 9, please. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the wow. people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. My, this challenges me, church. He was a righteous man, blameless among the people, all because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you know what challenges me? He was not living in a time where the Holy Spirit would dwell in men. Yet he was living an upright life. Yet he was living above his generation. He was a standard and a light in a dark place. Because he found in grace. You see, grace is not just to bring salvation. Grace is the divine enablement. Grace is divine enablement to live above sin. It is something you can't do in your own strength. It is something that only God can do for you. It is something you must ask him to help you with. This man and his family, listen, they were set apart. My wife and I, we talked about this, I tell her, I said, you know, I realized Noah didn't have a men's group. Noah had no church to run to. His children had no youth group. His wife had no women's fellowship. How did they live above the time? It was the grace of God. And I'm saying we have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the grace. We have church. We have fellowship. And some of us were still living and wishing, watching life. What is going on? We need the grace of God in our lives. I think we need to experience the second work of grace. Many of us experience the first work. But there's a second work. You see, even as I talk about it tonight, in my heart I'm praying that we encounter this grace. That we experience this, this revelation of grace in our lives. Noah, man, in an evil time, the Bible said he was a blameless man. And I'm saying it's possible for us today. It is very possible for us today to live above the influence of the world. Young man, it's possible for you to overcome what you're facing. Young lady, it's possible for you to overcome whatever challenges. To everyone in this room, there is hope. There is hope at the cross of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible declares, is on us, is in us. I want to run to Revelation before I go forward tonight. Revelation 
I want to go to the last chapter and the last verse. Last chapter and the last verse, which I think is 22, 21. Chapter 22, and I think it's verse 21, but it's the last. Let's read the last verse of the Bible. It says, The grace of mm. the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. You know, it's interesting to me that the first man that God used after the fall, which is Noah, if you read the Bible very carefully, Noah is the first man that God gave divine instruction to. He is the first man that God appeared and gave a word to do something. It was Noah. And we studied and we realized that Noah lived an upright life. Noah lived a blameless life. He lived a holy life. Not just that, he also carried out a great exploit for God by the grace of God. So I want you to see the first man in Genesis that God used was successful and victorious by grace. Let's look at the last man now. Isn't this the last man that we read in the Bible? It's John. And the whole entire book of Revelation was a revelation. You can't miss that. You, you have to understand that all that was written in Revelation, John had it in the spirit. John was on the island of Patmos. They had exiled him to just starve to death. And on this island, he had an encounter with God. You see, for you to catch a revelation, you can't catch it in the flesh, church. Are you hearing me tonight? For you to understand something that God wants, you can't get it with your head, you can't get it with your pressure going. You get it by the Spirit of God into your spirit. So, when you read Revelation, please understand that John was foreseeing things. When Daniel fell asleep before the angel, one of the reasons he fell asleep was God had to show him things to come. He, wouldn't, he couldn't have received it in his uh, natural self. So, Genesis 1 to 22, everything you read was a revelation by the Holy Spirit to John's spirit. Now, why do I say that? It's because John was foreseeing what we are going through today. John was seen by the Spirit of God, man, there are some very hard times coming for these people down the road. There are some challenging times. When I read chapter 9 of Revelation and I, I see the, the unleashing of more demonic forces into the earth and I see several things taking place and I see the hardship and John saw all of that and John said, brothers and sisters, you don't need the grace of God. You know, you won't be able to overcome. Look at the last verse. The grace, you know, he, he saw everything. He's like, the grace of God be with you. Because you guys are needed. I saw everything coming your way. I saw everything the church is going to face. And the only way you can overcome and you can make it is by grace. So he's saying, I, I don't want you to take light that this is the last verse of the book of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, all men, all the more victorious was by the grace of God, church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's move to James. 
James chapter 4 and verse 6. Now, I said a while to you ago that it is possible for you and I to be disqualified from the grace of God. Um, I need someone else to find another passage because I need to parallel it and I, 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 I want to read them right after each other so we get something. Can someone find Galatians 5 and 4 as well? Galatians 5, 4, and I still want to read James 4 and 6 first. And then I want to read, do what Galatians? Don't be shy to read. And I trust that my wife has James 4. Is that my opinion? It's the word of God. Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's saying, if you are trying to do this by yourself, if you are trying to be right with God by keeping the law, if you are trying to be right with God in your own strength, by all your own goodness, which is no type of goodness, you have fallen from grace. Um, I need a, I need a quick one. Can someone just come before I even read James 4? I need someone just to, to come and just stand right here. Just right here quickly. Anybody? I don't want to call it anybody. A child. Ah, thank you, sister. Come and stand here with us. Praise God for you. Right here on the, on the lower. Now, I want to demonstrate to you the grace of God. God does not lower his family in church. Are you hearing me tonight? God doesn't lower his standard for anybody. But grace lifts you up. Come up, come up, come up. Grace lifts you up to the standard of God. Did you catch that? God doesn't bring the standard down. God picks you up and brings you to him. So it's possible for you to fall from grace. You thought I was going to fall so I could see the end door. It's possible for you to fall from grace. God doesn't bring it down. But he lifts you up to where he is. That's the grace. That's the second work of the grace of God. So when I begin to try to do it in my own strength, I fall. I fall from this level that God has brought me to. I go backwards. I go down. I go away. The Bible said you have fallen. That's, listen, when I hear that verse every time inside of me, it goes like this. Because I realized I could fall from grace. And I could have a position in the church. I could look very active in ministry. And I could have fallen from grace. I want you to hold on to that example. God doesn't bring this down. He picks you up to where he is. And he upholds you. So I hear the Bible say, where sin abounds, 
grace abounds even more. But he also says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. What is Paul saying? Around you, everybody could be missing the mark. Things could be falling them, But I will lift you above all the circumstances of your time. My right hand will pick you up. And I will bring you to where I am. Thank you, sister. Can we give a round of applause for sister for working with us tonight? The grace of God picks you up. You know, I, I remember one time I was having a conversation with God. I said, Lord, I'm a young man. I want to serve you. You give me a beautiful wife. But I'm aware of an enemy that wants to crush you. I'm aware that my flesh is very weak. I need your help to live this life. I need your help to live among sin. Church, it's my prayer that none of us in this room will fall from grace. But that we will remain. And actually, the Bible says you should grow. You should grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not fall away, grow in it. So God desires to take you to another level, but uh, let's look at the issue in James 4, because we're not done yet, James 4, 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I want you to realize what disqualifies you from being an applicant of grace. It's pride. He gives more grace. So, you know, uh, but Herman could be crying out, humbling himself. Lord, I need your help. I need more of you in heaven. saying, I will give you more grace. If he just moves on to the throne of, and, and, and heaven begins to release more grace. I love it. More grace. So you could be at one level of grace, but he desires to give you more grace. Listen, God does not want to leave you at the level you came when you just came to Christ. God doesn't want you to stay saved. As the, you know, you come to Jesus, he doesn't want you just to remain there. He wants to pour a grace on your life. He wants to give you something to do. There's an anointing he wants to place on you. There's a purpose for you. Can I tell you, everyone in the room tonight, once you are in Christ, God has a great and mighty purpose for you. God wants to do great exploits with you and through you. Once you have come to Jesus, once you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God wants to pour a grace on you. And I trust that God would allow us to look into that. Can I have a time check, please? Because I'm going to the time. What time is it? Do I have some more time? All right, let's check it. He gives more grace, but it says he resists. He's against the problem. You know, when Jesus walked there, you know who missed him was the Pharisees. They were too proud. If you would read the scriptures, besides the young ruler, the Pharisees, they missed him. They were too proud to get help from a man from Nazareth. And God's right hand was stretched out to them, but they pushed it away. And whenever we think we can do 
in our own strength and by ourselves, we're just simply pushing the hand of God away. He gives more grace, but resists the problem. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But to each one of us, grace. Now we're getting into the next work of grace. I want you to understand we studied briefly grace that brings salvation. And we realize that the grace of God can sanctify us. It can help us to live a holy life. But God pours grace on you and I to serve. So grace was given to each one of us. Keep reading. As I want to go all the way to 13. Go all the way to 13. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up wow. until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 7 says, God gave grace to each of us. 12 and 13, God gives grace to you and I to build the church. He pours a grace, a spiritual gift. For some other people, it's an office. But once you have come to Jesus, God desires to pour a spiritual gift on you and in you. Now I need to tell you, this gift is not for you to use for yourself. This gift is not for you to charge people. This gift that God has placed on you and I is not to, so to speak, make ourselves rich and famous. Are you following me tonight? This grace that God has given to each of us is for a divine specific purpose. It is to build the church. It is to equip his people. It is so that the body of Christ can grow in Christ. You know, when I read this, I begin to pray. I say, Lord, I pray that the body of Christ can have access to the grace of your grace of man. I pray that God's people can access this spiritual gift. I realize you've given me a spiritual gift to preach. I, your church needs, this isn't for me. The grace that God has given to me is not for me, it's for you. I am just a servant. I get the quick today. Uh, we went to a, a quick a quick dinner today, and I enjoyed that dinner. It didn't last very long. I was very hungry, and I was sitting at the table and I was just observing the waiter. You know, he took her order, and we sat there. And then I was praying for my wife, and she was really holding on. You know, she was really hungry too. 
But I looked at the waiter, and the waiter came from the kitchen and placed the food, served us, and went back. I said, wow. Whenever I bring the word of God to the church, you know, it's God that, you know, God has sit in the kitchen and he prepares the food. I'm just serving you God, what God has me to give you. I'm just bringing it to you. I'm just a servant. I saw myself as that waiter just delivering God's food to you, spiritual food. I'm just a servant. Grace, every one of us in here. And again, I need to tell you very carefully, let's not mix talent and spiritual gifts together. Are you hearing me? Talent and spiritual gifts are two different things. God can use musicians, God can use singing, God can use all these things, but a spiritual gift is very different. Now, if you offer your talent to God, He can take it and use it for His kingdom, amen? And that's my challenge with the church. A lot of talent, but no anointing behind the talent. You see, some people stand and sing, and you just see demons running left, right, and center. The Spirit of God is on them. Or they strum the guitar, like David strum for Saul, and the Spirit of God just fills that place. It's because they surrender their life to Christ. And God said, ah, I can take everything you have, and I will use it. But some people sing and it's as if, you know, there is a cricket in heaven. Uh, we're wondering, when will he give his life to Jesus? I hear him singing on my altar, but I don't know him. Uh, angels, check the records. Uh, sir, his name is in here. Ah, but he's singing Amazing Grace, but, but sir, his name is in here in the book of life. Wow. You know, we need to reach him. You see, what's the difference between Michael Jackson, which is passed away, and someone singing in the church? It must be the anointing that makes a difference. <laughs> Listen, people can hit very high notes and sing, and it's beautiful, but they don't have God in them. Uh, we watch this, uh, what is it? America Got Talent, or East Africa Got Talent, and all these, the four, and... And you know, my wife loves that kind of thing, and I would sit there and watch with her. I'm not really a big fan. And I say, wow, these people can sing. And they can do a lot of great things. And the crowd goes, why? Wow, yeah! And man, I said, I'm sitting there saying, gosh, I wonder what's the state of your salvation. See, the crowd can cheer for you, you know. But what is heaven saying? So Jesus said, hey, when the Pharisees, when you pray for people to see you and hear you, you already get your reward. And one day I sat down, and I used to think in a funeral, I said, man, I would love to be like that person that they're talking good about. I would love people to say many good things about me when I die. And people could clap. But I realized when you speak good things when they clap, after they clap, that's the reward. You can't even take that home with you. You can't take a cup in your pocket with you. And yet, some people live for that kind of thing. That's not what God is calling us into. The grace that God is pouring on you, that He desires to pour more on you, is to build His church. It's to raise His people. It's to encourage His people. It's 
to help his people get to heaven. So there are apostles and teachers. And I just want to take one example as we wind down. One more scripture as we wind down. Exodus 31. Exodus 31. Just so I can help you understand this. Exodus 31. Let's just look at maybe the first five verses to capture what we need. Now this is Moses with God on the mountain. You know, God had called him up to Mount Sinai to give him instructions. So God and Moses, they're having a meeting. So let's peek into this meeting. Exodus 31. Verse 1. Yes. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son yes. of Uri, the son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. Right. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Wow. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Mm -hmm. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahisamat, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The wow. tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant, law within the atone, main cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent. The table and the articles, the pure gold and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy priest. Amen. They are to make them just as I can. Wow. You know, this, this is amazing to me. God is speaking to Moses. You know, he gave Moses the vision for the tabernacle. He gave him a picture of what he wanted. And it amazed me that he didn't give Moses any of his skill to do it. And I love that he said, I have filled Beazel of Beazel, his name, with wisdom. I have put the spirit of God in him. I have given him, I have enabled him to build and to work and to do what I have commanded you. Now this is a picture, a foreshadow of the church. Bezazel uh, and and all these people, if you realize God placed a divine gift in them to help contribute to the making of this tabernacle. God gave each of them a grace. God gave each of them a divine gift. Not so they can just run off and do what they want, but it had to be in accordance with his vision and his plan and his purpose. Everybody in here, listen. If the Spirit of God falls on somebody who's hooked on drugs and brings them to Christ, they will be able to do something that I can't do. Because God will work through them in a different way. Whether you're serving and opening the church, 
to picking up the offering. Once you know God and you're in Him and He has placed you there, please serve faithfully. You're no better than the preacher preaching. You can't say that because I am the ear, I have no need of the mouth. You have a special part to play in the church. You have a part to play and your part is very valuable. Young or old, once you have come on to Christ, God has something for you to do. Now do not try to be like somebody else. And don't look down on other people either. It's not for you and I to do that. But I hear the Bible saying grace was given to each one of us. Corinthians 12 says there's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, there's prophecy, there's the gift of tongues, there's a gift of interpretation. There are many gifts. There's a gift of helping, the gift of mercy. There's so many spiritual gifts that only the Holy Spirit can actually activate and do. So it's different from a talent because, you know, uh, I, like, I, like, I told you, I said, I want to learn the drums. And I like to just piece that drum. You can do that at will. But what the Holy Spirit needs you to do is what He does at His will. And that's the difference. But God has given you a part to play in this big picture. You don't have all the parts, but you have a part. And your part is important. God may be drawing you to something. He's pulling on your heart to do something. God may be asking you to begin to write, to begin to write song. I don't know what He will ask you to do, but whatever He calls you to do, He wants you to be a contributing vessel unto the body of Christ. You know, I'm challenged because I don't want to waste the grace of God in my life. I need to help build this church. So as we wind down tonight, I want us to pray. And if you have been struggling with something, you know we can simply come to the throne of grace together and ask him to help you. He says he will give you grace if you humble yourself. Humility qualifies you, pride disqualifies you. Uh, maybe there's a desire in your heart. God has been talking on your heart to do something for you. Ask Him for grace to do it. Because you can't do it in your own strength. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, I'm so thankful to you today. That God, you have given everything we need in Christ Jesus to live for you. You have provided all things that we need. And whether we have stumbled or have fallen or we're struggling, I thank you that you're not here to condemn anybody today. You didn't bring us here to condemn, but you brought us here to help us. And I thank you tonight that you have a divine purpose for every life in this building every soul. It doesn't matter what the age. It doesn't matter what the past. It doesn't matter what the present. As long as we turn to you, your grace is there to help us. And you showed us tonight, Lord, that you don't know where you're standing, but you can lift us up. You can lift us up to your standard. You can lift us up to the place that you want us to be. I pray 
night that you would lift me up, Holy Spirit. That you would uphold me to walk with you. You'd uphold me to seek you. You'd uphold me to serve you. You'd uphold me to live over sin. You'd uphold me to be a holy man. You'd uphold me to be your vessel, a pure vessel in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's any pride, where there may be any pride in me or arrogance, I ask that you please remove it in Jesus' name. That you uproot it and put it far from my life. I don't want you to resist me, God. I don't want you to be opposed against me. But I want you to receive me. I want you to help me. I need you to use me. I pray for everyone here tonight, Holy Spirit. Because you love them with such a great love that my words can never express. But I pray that every heart and everyone here would encounter your love and you and oppression in the name of Jesus. Father, we heard your grace tonight. But I pray that we won't only hear about it, God. But that in the days to come, the same grace that we just read from your word, we will begin to see that grace manifest in our lives. We will see that grace manifest in the days of prayer. We begin to see your grace manifest when we read your word. We will see your grace manifest in our marriage, in our family, in the ministry of callers, in our workplace. God, that we will begin to see the grace of God. Father, if any of us have fallen from grace, may tonight be the night that we are reconciled to your grace in the name of Jesus. That, Father, from here on, we will not go in and out of grace, but we will grow. Help us to grow in your grace in the name of Jesus. As we may be here tonight and we're really not sure what you've called us to do as your people, but I pray that you will make it very clear the gift that you've given to each one of your children because there is a gift that you've given to them. Help them to know what that gift is. Uh, Holy Spirit, help them to exercise that gift. Help them to contribute to the building of your kingdom. May they experience the joy, may they experience the satisfaction of being a vessel in your hands in the name of Jesus. Uh, may we not look down on ourselves. May we not think that, oh, I can't, or what I've done, but may we know that your grace is here to forgive us and to move us forward in the name of Jesus. So God, we thank you tonight. God, we ask that you see this word in our heart. May we see fruit from this word. May we be refreshed. May we get even more understanding and revelation of this as we go throughout the week. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We want to pray for those who may not be feeling well in our midst. Uh, we want to offer up our sister Sarita to you. Ms. Loretta, we want to offer those who aren't feeling well, asking that your grace will reach them in the name of Jesus. Asking that your spirit will revive them, that your spirit will restore them in the name of Jesus. Maybe some of us were not feeling well in our hearts and in our mind. We ask for your grace there. For your grace to come and give us strength. For your grace to come and give us a divine enablement. Father, take away anxiety. Take away restlessness and come and give us peace in the name of Jesus. Father, by the means of your grace, discouragement and depression will not overtake us in the name of Jesus. So we thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.